We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I want to talk about pride once again. It's June, it's Pride Month, and we are celebrating pride across the nation in every corner of the land. But here's the question. Are we wise to do so, and are we a freer nation as the result? I'm Dr. Everett Piper. And this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks so much for listening into the show. Appreciate all of you. By the way, sidebar here before we get into the topic of the show. I mentioned last week that we did very well in listenership last month. I said that in the month of May we exceeded 73,000 and approached 74. We actually did a lot better than that. When the final numbers came in for the month of May, we went well over 74,000 and almost hit 75. So keep doing it. Keep copying and pasting as you have your favorite episodes of The Rebellion and get them out there in your social media. Facebook, MeWe, Parler, Gab, whatever you use. Twitter, obviously. Keep posting your episodes of The Rebellion and thank you for listening in. I really appreciate it. And don't forget, if you want to subscribe to The Rebellion and support what we do on a daily basis, you can do so by going to DrEverettPiper.com and following us on that website. That's where you can get access to our books, as well as contact me to speak at your church or your other political organization or whatnot. And if you want to subscribe, like I said, you can do so by going to Patreon.com backslash DrEverettPiper. That's Patreon.com backslash DrEverettPiper. So the topic for the day is Pride Month once again. Why? Why am I repeating myself and going back to that topic? Because we've dedicated an entire month on the calendar of the United States of America to the celebration of pride. And as I shared with you in an earlier episode, pride is one of the seven deadly sins. Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind, according to C.S. Lewis. Pride is covered. It's, get, it's, it's given an entire chapter in his book, Mere Christianity. Pride is that which go, goes before a fall. Pride goeth before a fall. We're told that in Scripture. So why in the world are we celebrating pride so boldly in our culture right now? Is it possible that in doing so, our nation, which has stood for freedom and justice, our nation which celebrates liberty and has codified it in the Constitution. Is it possible that our pride is going before our fall and that we're going to lose our liberties, lose our freedom, have a lot less of it rather than more as the result of shouting over and over again, we're loud and we're proud? That's the topic for today's show. Let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to talk about the paradox, once again, that I've talked about so many times, 
I'm going to go into it in a different way, a little bit deeper, in the paradox of discipline and freedom, freedom and fences, and liberty and law. I'm going to use some analogies from country life, rural life here in Oklahoma, that when you stay inside the pen, if you will, God's fences, if when you stay inside the law, you're going to experience a lot more liberty than if you jump the fence. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. I guess you could title the next segment of this episode, Be Humble and Stay in the Pen. I want to use rural life as opposed to city life as the context for what I'm going to say right now. Now, if you've listened to The Rebellion on a frequent basis, on a routine basis, you know that I've extolled rural life, the small farmer, the small rancher. You know that I've shared the history of those who founded our country and even those that went before them, all the way back to Cicero, who elevated rural living as the context for a free society. And that the best formula for a free people is small land ownership and small farmers and ranchers having the responsibility and the autonomy to run their ranches and run their farms and run their families, their communities, their villages, the way they see fit. Local control is always the best, that you're never going to have representative government if it is remote. That's G.K. Chesterton. That the only representative government is under the, your own roof. It's your own family. The closer you can get to home, the more freedom you're going to have. So I want to talk about the virtues of rural living again right now as I set the context for talking about pride. One thing I've learned by living in the reality, and I use that word intentionally, the reality of rural America as opposed to the fake concrete neon bubbles of Washington, D.C. and New York City. One thing I've learned by living in rural America is that freedom can be deceiving. Uh, Maybe a better way to say it is that freedom is often the opposite of what it appears to be. You've heard me talk of these analogies. As I drive through the ranches of Kansas and see cattle roaming freely in the fields, they are always surrounded by a fence. When I walk through neighborhoods in small towns here in Oklahoma and I see dogs relaxing on the front porch of their house, I can almost always assume that that dog, that Fido, has been disciplined to stay home and within a set of boundaries. When I go through small country towns and see school yards full of children playing during recess, their freedom to play on the playground is always contingent upon a barrier between them and the highway. These are all examples of things that I experience on a daily basis here in rural America. Kansas, Oklahoma, small towns like Avant, Winona, uh, Durant, Bartlesville, Dewey, Copan, Scheidler, Barnstall, Burbank, Oklahoma, 
As I've been going door-to-door campaigning for my county commissioner job, I've seen a lot of this stuff on a minute-by-minute basis. Dogs, cows, children, all of them free to enjoy the world that they're in, but all of them within boundaries. Why? To protect them from getting hurt. At first blush, when I share all of these scenarios, these anecdotes, it kind of suggests the opposite of freedom, doesn't it? The nearby nature preserve, for example, would seem to offer more freedom to cows than a fenced-in pasture, wouldn't it? And and the dog on the front porch. He'd have more liberty, not less, if he could just roam the city streets, right? And those kids in the playground? Well, clearly, they'd be better off if they didn't have to worry about those dastardly fences between them and Main Street. But you know where I'm going with this, because I've talked about it before. We intuitively understand that tearing down all of these boundaries, all of these fences, all of these borders... We know that tearing them down will not end well. It will result in less freedom rather than more for the cows, for the dogs, for the children. And we know that without some confinement around our territory, around our world, will result in chaos that will lead the cows, the dogs, and the children to get hurt and killed. It's the paradox, again, of liberty and law, freedom and fences, discipline, discipline, personal discipline, responsibility, and yes, restrictions, confinement, moral confinement, and freedom. Chesterton was perfect. He's the one I like to cite all the time on this. If you listen to the show, you know where I'm going right now. He once said that when you get rid of the big laws of God, you won't get liberty, but thousands and thousands of little laws that rush in to fill the vacuum. And that's what I'm talking about right now. What Chesterton was warning us of was quite clear. Basically, he's saying this, if we arrogantly refuse to live by the ten simple laws given to us by God, and as I've said before, Jesus summarized them in just two, we will get reams upon reams of little laws imposed upon us, by someone else. Here's the thing. What's this all have to do with the topic of today's show? Well, when we pridefully tear down the fences of God, we always end up with the prison walls of man. I want to say that one more time. Maybe that's the take-home from today's show. When we pridefully tear down the fences of God, we will always end up with the prison walls of man. How do I know that? The lessons of history, we see it over and over and over again. Read the story of Israel in the Old Testament. They rise up in pride, pride, they tear down the fences of God, they live their own way, everybody does what is right in their own eyes. The book of Judges, that's what it's all about in the Old Testament. Everybody doing what was right in their own eyes, pridefully. They pridefully tore down the fences of God, and they always ended up with the prison walls of man, Babylonian exile, etc., etc. It's the story of World War II. It's the story of World War I. It's the story of our rebellion. When we refuse to live within the Ten Commandments, or the two, that are, in other words, the two, 
as Jesus summarized the ten. When we refuse to do that, we will end up confined down to the point where today they're literally telling us how to use the bathroom, what pronouns we have to use, more and more laws. Reams upon reams of little laws created by man that result in what? Less freedom, not more. That's the paradox that G.K. Chesterton was talking about. So, how's this fit into today? Well, in case you missed it, everything I just talked about, dogs, cows, children, freedom fences, this these anecdotes are anecdotes that demonstrate that you lose your freedom. You lose your freedom, and it ends up in fascism, pure and simple. Fascism is always fueled by hubris. One more time. Fascism is always fueled by hubris. If there's any lesson of history that holds fast... It's this, the seeds of pride will invariably bear the fruit of tyranny. Or as C.S. Lewis told us, pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. And as such, pride, being the complete anti-God state of mind, always leads to power and control rather than liberty and love. So, let's get back to where we are, the first days of June. Today is June 6th, as I speak, right now on this show. We've got an entire month that we've now set aside for the celebration of pride, one of the seven deadly sins. And I'm just going to suggest this. Maybe we would all do well to ask ourselves what exactly it is that we're so proud of, and whether or not such pride is actually accruing to our benefit or our demise. Maybe, just ask yourself this, maybe, just maybe, it would be wise for us to look around and take notice of whether or not our pride is lending itself to more freedom or less. Again, I'm going to say that. I want you to hear that. Is our pride lending itself to more freedom as a nation, as a people, in your community, in your schools, in your country? Is our celebration of pride resulting in more freedom or less? Is it possible that in our prideful attempts to be free of the boundaries of God, that we've broken down the fences that defined and protected that freedom in the first place. You know, it's like the dog refusing to honor his master's voice. He's going to roam the streets. But you know what happens to those dogs. They're malnourished. They're attacked by other animals, other dogs, other wild beasts that feel no restrictions, no manners, no discipline. They get hit and run over by cars. Oh, the dog may think he's enjoying more freedom, but he's going to get killed. Likewise, cows that don't have a fence around their pasture. Oh, they may be able to free, be able to run freely. 
in the nature preserve. But those cows will not survive in the wild. They're going to get killed by predators. They're going to get killed in the four-lane highway. If cattle are going to be free to enjoy the entire creation that's been given to them, i.e. the ranch, then they have to have a fence around the field to keep them safe and enjoy that freedom without worrying about the consequences of being untethered. So I'll ask the question one more time. Is it possible that in our prideful, prideful attempts to be free of the boundaries of God, that we've broken down the fences that defined and protected that freedom in the first place? Is it possible that as we parade through our streets, shouting that we're loud and we're proud, we're coming closer and closer to the gates of something that looks like Auschwitz, more so than to the shores of a land that we once knew as America? I don't think I'm exaggerating. History repeats itself, folks. I know a lot of people recoil when we start using analogies and examples from World War II. You know, the Hitler card, the Nazi card, the Auschwitz card. Oh, you just took your argument a bridge too far. I'm sure the Germans probably said that too. The Poles, the Gypsies, the Jews probably said, well, that's not going to happen. That'll never happen. Hmm. Do you think we're that much better today that we somehow have developed and grown a moral DNA and gene that didn't exist in the best educated, most sophisticated nation on earth at the time, and that was Germany. I mean, it's out of Germany that we get a lot of our science. It's out of Germany that we get a lot of our music and our art. It was a very educated and sophisticated country people, and it was out of Germany that the seeds of the Holocaust were born. Why? I'll tell you why. Pride. Pride. We're loud and we're proud. That literally could have been a slogan for the Third Reich. You know, one of the memes I've seen over and over again especially during this era of COVID and obedience and complicity, government control, the loss of liberty and freedom is a meme that shows a group of sheep blindly wearing their masks as they're shepherded by a wolf to their demise. So let's play off of this analogy of sheep right now as we go into the final minutes of this show. Are we a flock of sheep known for our humility and our obedience? Just think about it. If we are a flock of sheep, and Jesus called us his sheep, so I want to go with this one. Are we obedient and are we humble? Or have we become a bunch of proud, proud sheep, so eager to be free of our shepherd's boundaries, that we've encaged ourselves with a pack of wolves that are now having us for lunch. Hmm. 
prideful people will always find a reason to jump the fence. But the meek, the meek, Jesus tells us, know there is greater liberty inside rather than outside the laws of God. It's not about your rights. It's not about my rights. But rather, it's about his reign. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. And we'd all enjoy more freedom if we'd stop being prideful and just stay in the pen. That's the key lesson for today. I'm going to repeat what I just said. I want you to think about sheep and the fence and the pen and pride. Are the sheep known for their humility and obedience? Or are these stupid sheep, you and me and our country and our culture, are we so stupid and so eager to be free of our shepherd's boundaries, of our master's voice, that we've encaged ourselves in a different fence, a different confinement, but we're in there with a bunch of wolves and they're having us for lunch. Oh yeah, that's freedom, right? That's liberty. We're loud and we're proud, but we're going to be devoured. Prideful people, just like stupid sheep, will always find a reason to jump the fence. But those who are obedient, the meek, the humble, that recognize they need to listen to the shepherd, listen to the master's voice, they're the ones with greater liberty. They're the ones that know by staying inside rather than outside the laws of God that they inherit the earth, the creation, the field, the pasture that was given to them, created for them by God himself. I'll say it one more time. It's not about our rights. It's about his reign over our life and our submission to that reign and his ways. Jesus gave us lots of analogies where he reversed our thinking. And one of them was where he said the first shall be last. If you're proud and arrogant, you're going to be last. But if you're humble and submissive, you will be first. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. And the lesson there is we'd all enjoy much more freedom if we'd stop being prideful, prideful, and just stay in the pen, stay within the fences, the boundaries, stay within the law of God, and you will celebrate that you're free at last, free at last. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, thank God Almighty, you're free at last. One of the chapters that I enjoy more in my own book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good, is a chapter that summarizes this. 
It's a chapter, it's a personal story of my love for dogs. I talk about my dog named Blue, my black Labrador. You know, I've told you before that when the boys brought that baby lab home, that puppy home, we named her Blue. And one of the things that caught me caught my attention immediately was the song of Lobo in 1973. Me and you and a dog named Boo traveling and living off the land. Me and you and a dog named Boo. How I love being a free man. This was a song about freedom. It was a song about a dog named Boo. And I mistook the way Lobo was singing that song, his pronunciation. I thought he was saying me and you and a dog named Blue rather than Boo. So That's part of the story behind a dog named Blue. That's a rabbit trail. Sorry. But I listened to that song, and it's a song of freer times and simpler times. It's a song that I listened to as a kid. It's a song of teenage friends and a dog's loyalty. Me and you and a dog named Boo. It's a song of higher ideals and the joy of adventure. I would argue it's a song of the majesty of creation, traveling and living off the land, of life and liberty, freedom. But most of all, I hear it and I think of my dog, my dog named Blue, as she ran and played with my sons, tussled and fetched, and just enjoyed being a dog. But you've heard me tell this story before. Blue taught me something interesting about freedom. Freedom is not free. True freedom always comes with a fence. And we know this. If you have dogs, you know what I'm saying is true. If you love your dog and you want her to enjoy the outdoors, enjoy hunting, retrieving, and going for a good run, you know that you have to teach your dog to obey your voice. If she doesn't obey you, you're going to have to do something. If you love dogs, you're going to have to confine her, put her in a kennel, keep her in the backyard, maybe even restrict her with a chain. Your dog's never going to enjoy freedom if she doesn't learn to obey. But your dog is free. She's truly free if she learns that you are God and she's not, that you set the rules, you set the boundaries. You tell her where the property starts and stops. If she learns to obey your voice, you can let your dog off the leash and she can run and play and be a dog. She doesn't worry about the rules much anymore other than just heeding your voice when you tell her to come back. And she knows that she has to stop at a certain point because if she doesn't, she'll end up in dangerous territory. The paradox of liberty and law, of freedom and fences, is the lesson of blue. If you want to be free and travel and live off the land, then you have to learn to heed the master's voice. It's not about his rules, it's about his reign over your life. And the more you recognize that the hum- and humble yourself before him rather than arrogantly shout you're loud and you're proud, the freer you will be. I'm Dr. Everett Piper and this is The Rebellion.